Second Timothy chapter one, verse one to twelve. Second Timothy chapter one, verse one to twelve. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of the of the of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God and the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember my prayers. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift, God, the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying of, on my hands, laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9. He has saved us and called us to, into holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, verse 10. But it, is, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, verse 11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, verse 12. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Amen. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. I will introduce our preacher for the day and afterwards the choir will sing before she comes to preach. Reverend Professor Esther Akolache, you're welcome. She has served the global church in several capacities for many years, both in Ghana and through her denomination, the Presbyterian Church, United States of America. She is a scholar, a teacher, preacher, as well as a worship and a retreat leader, a graduate of the University of Ghana for bachelor's and Harvard University Divinity School and Presbyterian Theological Seminary for her PhD. She taught pastoral theology and well Christianity at Duke University for several years. She currently occupies the Endowed Pastoral Theology Chair and serves as a Director of Graduate Studies at Knox College, University of Toronto, Canada. As a professor, she teaches at the intersection of psychology and Christian thought in aid of human flourishing, with interest in the gendered body, cultural anthropological dimensions of medicine, health, and healing, 
and the application for suffering, death, dying, and care of the end of life. Her ongoing research explores methodological issues in the practice of theology of the Christian life and the relevance of these themes in the global expression of Christianity, particularly African and Western dimensions in dialogue. Her current research focuses on issues around care and counseling with migrant families and implication for intra and interfaith dialogue and spiritual care for remissioning the global church. She is an author of numerous articles, as well as the two monographs for freedom, of, from, freedom from bandage, a crit, freedom or bandage, a critic of African pastoral practices, and then powers, principalities, and the spirit, biblical realism in Africa and the West, as well as a 28-year-old son who keeps her grounded and honest. So the voice you will hear after the choir sings is Reverend Professor Aku Lache. Welcome, Bami. The wonder of it all. Not the things of the world, but you. I was invited today to speak about God's goal for your life. And then, since this is a Baptist church, not only did they give me a theme, they gave me scripture. I don't think I've ever worked as hard on a sermon as I have worked on this. This was head-scratching stuff. So I asked Pastor Fred, um, are you sure it is this chapter of Timothy that you want for this sermon? Because there was no way you could, it was like pulling water out of stone. Nothing was coming. So let me confess to you that what I have is fragments. But I also believe that God works through fragments. So if you will pray with me and for me, maybe we might yet get something. Shall we pray? God of our lives and God of our many, many loves. We come before you this morning asking that you will speak to us. Open our eyes. We want to see Jesus and reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears and cause us to listen. Open our hearts, Lord. And may the words of my mouth and all the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So when we hear goals, if you're like me, we think of future and future-directed activities. But that is not always what it seems to be in the Bible. I am Presbyterian, as you were told, so I normally go to the Westminster Catechism or Confession for Apoch. 
And the Westminster Catechism asks a simple question about goal and purpose for the human being and answers it simply. What is the chief end of the human? To know God and enjoy God forever. That is what you were made for. Know God and enjoy God forever. So how does a human do that? Israel simplified it through God's command in what we call the Decalogue. But by Jesus' time, overzealous Jews were holding to the Decalogue without the spirit behind the commandments. Thou shalt know, thou shalt know. They forgot all that it was leading and pointing to. Jesus boils it down to two in the gospel. What is the greatest commandment? He was asked one day. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Note the word like. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hung on these two commandments. You see, God, through Jesus, has simplified your life's goal for you. The goal is what has been already set for you and which has been worked out by the Spirit in your life. It is not a moving target that you have to keep looking for. And I say that usually when we hear goal, we think future direction. Not so. This goal is already in your past. We just heard all oh, the wonder of it all because God loved you before, before. And it is also in your future, but it is being called forth by the Spirit. And you and I will never know fully what it is or what it is going to be until it is revealed at the last. And I think it is that which Paul reminds Timothy of, but adds an additional note. The goal, if you heard the gospel, love God, love neighbor. And if you listened to the, set, to the reading of the epistle, I hope you were paying attention to every word and especially the grammar. I used to teach English in a former life. I want you to be like the Berean Christians and look in your Bibles with me as I try to explain what I see. First, Paul gives general greetings and then shifts to the family background of Timothy. He mentions his grandmother, 
and mother by name and their contribution to Timothy's life and to his life of faith. And then uses what for me was a very strange phrase. Hopefully it is for you too. He continues saying, for this reason. For what reason? You have to go back to verse 5 to find the reason. What is the reason? Your grandmother and your mother. Because of your grandmother and mother, because of these people who have lived the faith before you, do something. What should Timothy do? Fan the flame that was placed in you at the laying on of hands. It doesn't start in church. It starts from your grandmother and your mother. Friends, it is not only your faith that hangs in the balance if you do not fan the flame of the spirit and the gifts that are in you. Christian faith is not I, me, and myself faith. Others carried this faith in their bodies, lived it, died for it, passed it on. Hold it well. Sometimes we who think we know when we were born again, you know, you can tell when your baptism happened. We think that our parents don't know God like us. I told my mother once that dead chicken don't bear eggs, so I was not going to my EP church anymore. But just look and study the hymns from our Ever Gan or Tree Bibles. I had to read this in Ever to get the meaning I'm getting today. You will have jaw-dropping moments. One of my all-time favorite songs goes, you knew me and were loving me before you even made me. Wow. Wow, that is it. If you know that as fact, and this is a hymn from 19 Plebity something. If you know that as fact, flesh and blood did not reveal it to you. You know it only because you have encountered God and drank from the cup of grace. This faith is not yours to do with as you please. Your biological and spiritual family has sown into it and continues to sow into it for this reason. 
you are to mind the gifts that have been placed into you for faithful transmission to others. Others lived it and passed it on. You are to go and do likewise. You see how Paul put so much confidence in the foundation given to Timothy's faith from home. It is both humbling and terrifying that the charge being given to this young servant is based on what he has learned from his mother and grandmother. It tells us that the work of nurturing for Christian faith starts from the home and not the church. How are we doing? How are we growing children and future generations for life with God? God intended the home to be the primary place for inculcating faith. Moses commanded Israel from God to teach the commandments and associated rituals to the children and to leave an indelible mark on them. How are we doing? Why are we relegating the teaching and love of God to some professionals and not being the first point of learning for our children and families? Is it perhaps because we do not have a testimony before them? Is the life you lead at home the same you lead at church, Sunday school teacher? Do your children know you? Can your children, your family, come to revere and love the God that shows up in your life at home by your example? Timothy's faith and the work he was to do is first from his household, but then it comes to another household. This time, a spiritual one we call church. The church as a household is also where he is commissioned to tend the flock. Ordination by and from the people of God adds to the work and the faith we already have from home. It just adds. It starts from home. And so you and I should be suspicious of anyone who gets up and says he has received a call to be a pastor and goes and forms a church. There is no scriptural basis for such an act. And I'm not just taking a job as self-styled pastors. This point is important because the power given to us for the work is what has already been poured into the assembly. And when you gather, the spirit is here. This Holy Spirit endued power is not one that serves itself, but subjects itself to the will of God for leading God's people in humility and love. You can't get up and slap it on your body. Humility and love are not words that usually go with power. Watch your politicians. Watch them go through traffic with a ping pong, ping pong. In the world, power is how you get 
others to do for. In the church, power is how you do for others. Complete reversal. It is never something that you take up yourself and go and wield. It is something that you bow down to receive and rise to give away. Watch ordination services and watch pastors whose work starts from such moments and then compare that to those who take up power for themselves. I don't have to tell you, you live here. Paul knows the fear and trembling, jojo nyanyanya, with which you rise to do this work. And so he encourages Timothy not to be afraid, not to let others browbeat him, but still do the work in power, but in humility and love. Keep showing up. Hold that power. Wield it gently in humility and love. This is the kind of loving power and powerful love which is already the way God himself acts. And this is how those made in his image should be wielding power. This is how power works in those who are saved and allowing the spirit to create new life in them every day. And because of that, Paul will go on to say a crazy thing to Timothy and thus to us. Paul says, go preach the gospel without shame. Preach the gospel on which account Paul is in prison. Are you crazy? In which world do you do or ask others to do that? You are sitting in prison for this. But you say, I should go do that? Yes. In the world in which you have been loved of God before the foundation of the world, saved and set aside for holy living, yes. In the world, in that world, you can. Indeed, you have to do that. So this is the goal to which we work. The goal to which we work with God and to fulfill his grace purpose. And what is the purpose? Abolish death and bring life and immortality to light. This is directly from Paul. So now the question is, when was the last time it cost you to be a Christian and preach the gospel with a countercultural lifestyle and word? When was the last time you felt encouraged to live into this goal God has for your life? To preach the gospel and fulfill even the goal perhaps of suffering for and with Christ. What made Jesus fulfill this goal? What made Paul and Timothy and others before us? Love. Love of God and love of others. Sure, there are rewards awaiting at the end, but that was never the goal. Not even heaven. Andre Crouch says, but if heaven never were promised, 
I would still. So God's goal for us is not to come and gain something. Not even accolades from him at the end. So if what I'm saying from the scriptures is true, it is the case that the goal to which we are called moves from love of the Father to intimate life with him, which spills over to other people. The goal and purpose for your life is not so much a particular thing to do or a place to be or a position to occupy. Those are periphery to this one goal. Those specifics, teacher, whatever, whatever, they are just channels through which that happens. If you focus on the periphery, you will run from pastor to pastor to prophet to prophet, spend all night looking for God's will and God's wounds and God's will. No. Love him. Love his people. And when we find this goal, we know that we can't do it without abiding faith and hope and love which is enshrined in prayer. And so we don't have to wait for the church to order a prayer meeting on Friday evenings as if God lives in time. We ourselves will be so desirous of time spent with God, we are praying constantly, keeping planned appointments with God, and living a life turned Godward. And the litmus test for whether we love God or not, we know, is whether it shows in the way we treat other people. Remember I said to keep the word and the second is like in your minds. I think that sometimes we miss it. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is like. It means that you can mistake one thing for the other if it is like. Oh, when I see how you love your brother and your sister, I could mistake it for loving God is what Jesus is saying. Well, it is time, especially now, that we take that like seriously. And sometimes when we hear neighbor, we think of the nice person down the street from us. No, the story of the good Samaritan is Jew and Samaritan. You spit before you say Samaritan. Quite quite here, you know. If you think your neighbor is a nice person down your street, maybe with rascally children who run around by you endure it, you miss the point and you cheapen the demand of the command. You are to love that person, your neighbor, the gap between Jew and Samaritan as fiercely and as wholesomely 
as you love God. So, if you are Shanti, then that angoneni that you call all sorts of names, even on Ghana web. You are to love like you love God. And then we know, oh, yeah, Kenny, I'm going to Fante Koyo. Then the guns are coming. That is your neighbor. The one you despise in your heart. The one you call fool and nonentity in your heart. And God says you're close to hell for thinking those things. That is the neighbor you're called to love. So now we know this work is bigger than we think, isn't it? Time was when some of us vowed even a sanctified Ashanti we will not marry. So I'm confessing my sins here now. Mind you, they don't have to be Christian for you to obey this command. If you think they're talking about your Christian Ashanti brother or Angunag sister, no. They don't have. Human. But when they are, oh, then the imperative is even stronger. Otherwise, it is self-hatred. You belong in the body. It's like this finger hating this finger and taking it away. It's just nonsense. Jesus was serious about this goal as well, you know. But here is the thing. When two people love each other, when two people love the same thing, they're automatically drawn to each other. Oh, chale, wouldn't Oh, oh. Then relationship is happening. The closer you are to God, the more you love him, the more when you see somebody from Fanginiko and they say, Jesus, Jesus, oh, then you're turning. It comes automatically. So God has given you a way to lighten this load. And when that is happening, nobody needs to tell us we should not talk about people behind their backs. And even when we hear that this famous judge among us has gone and taken a bribe, we will say no, it is not possible. Because we know the spirit at work in us is the spirit at work in them. And then we might go to their house and maybe the envelope of money is sitting there. And then we say, brother, may I take you to return that money? You see, because that act, that one minute fall, is not what defines our brother. What defines them is their life hidden in Christ in God. So falling is allowed. When Jesus says, forgive 70 times 7 for the, fair, the same offense in a 24-hour period, it means, oh, and then you take your brother, go return that money, and then tomorrow you let him come and stand here and preach. Because that is how the power at work in us, working in humility, works. And only love can dare this act. We were loved before we were made. We were saved from the foundation of the world to good works. 
and we have been anointed by the Spirit for this purpose. And this Spirit was poured over 2,000 years ago. We are fresh out of excuses and fresh out of looking for goals for life. You have one in, uh, in Tosor. Love God. Love your neighbor. And so today this call comes afresh. Who wants to know and enjoy God forever? Who will go and preach the word indeed and with everything they've got? I'm hoping that the answer for you is yes and a louder yes. And if that is the case, will you pray with me? The song that is both in our past and in our future. Waiting for the day that God will say, Oh, come on, come on in. Come into your master's glory. Faithful to me. have told me, Lord, what pleases you, to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly too. I'm reminded of the things you've always said were in your heart. I know that I am yet to go that far. I want to live my life in glory to you, Lord, that each and every day I love you more. I pray I die for you, the one that I adore, that someday I may hear the words I hold so dear. Well done, my child, you have believed. You've been faithful to me. There are words of truth you love to say. There is healing that may never come unless I pray. There are works of love and courage, Lord, that only you can do. I'm willing, I yearn to be like you. I want to live my life in glory to you, Lord. That each and every day I love you more. I pray I die for you, the one that I adore. That someday I may hear. The words I hold so dear, well done my child, you have believed, you've been faithful to me.
one day I will look at you. I long to see the pleasure in your eyes. I pray I die for you, the one that I adore, that someday I may hear the words I hold so dear. Well done, my child, you have believed. You've been faithful to me. Amen.